boils and ghouls. Turn out the lights. And keep the popcorn coming. Because it's time for another episode of Fright Fights Podcast. Fright Fights Podcast. Get ready for your gore gang. Tyler Cavett, Chris Lax, and Mike McKinney tackling horror news, reviews, and fight for their survival. Coming to you from the Fright Fights Fear Lodge. Get ready to sink your fangs into a battle that will make your blood run cold. This is Fright Fights. Mike's pissed off at me right now because I beat him multiple times in cornhole with today. Uh, you are, I mean, like, I fucking hate you. <laughs> like, you know, you, bud. when he, like, lets go, his arms are so damn long, like, you know, like Mr. Gadget, and, like, he'll just drop it over top of the hole. He cheats. That's hilarious. <laughs> oh, I don't, Mike, or um, Tyler, I don't know if you noticed this or not. But I changed your name in our messenger group chat. <laughs> I changed it to I'm pissed. Did you catch that? No, I haven't. I haven't looked at a messenger. Yeah. yeah, dude. Like, I saw that. I was like, did Tyler do that? Or did somebody do that? I'm, I'm pissed. <laughs> I changed it because every time Tyler gets mad at something, he's just, I'm pissed. It doesn't. My name doesn't come up on my end because where I send it, it doesn't show up. Oh. Uh, yeah. No, I didn't. I wonder if it comes up where you changed it. No? I thought to change my name, but I'm pissed just so you can see it. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, horror fans. This is your Fright Fights crew here once again, letting you in on all the horror fun that we're going to have today. We got your boy, Tyler, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Kevin, Mike, Halloween, McKinney, and Chris Critters Lax. We are going to jump right in and watch one of the newest trailers that they have out insidious the red door so we're going to listen and we're going to watch and we're going to let you guys know what we think about this new trailer if you guys are ready to get started let's get jumped right in heck yeah are you ready we're ready to forget further once and for all my brain just been foggy past few years all I ever wanted was to be a good dad. Dalton. Mom. Renee. Did you ever try and get help? Nah, I'm just trying to push through. you drive Dalton to college. You still have a few weeks before your students show up, right? Just an idea to reconnect. I know it's been tough with you, too. The balance of light and dark is what we're after. You're in the art school, I take it? Yeah. You go here, too? Yes. Draw an experience that defines you. When I was 10, 
was in a coma. But I don't even remember being sick. Sink deep into your memory and let's see what light can find. Crazy stuff. I think these drawings could be clues from my past. There's so much you don't know, and I was too scared to tell you the truth. Our family has been keeping secrets. They suppressed our memories, but I can still feel something following us. There's only one way to find out. Closer to something. Or something's getting closer to me. When you awaken the dead, the further you travel, the riskier your journey will become. Mm. All right, first question right here Why is the SI in every single Insidious film red? Is it just to resemble the red door or is it just there to like have a stylistic approach? I think it's hilarious. <laughs> I think one of the films I think it's like them make it red. Well, I think the the Insidious films are a little subpar. So I think it's just like the filmmakers just kind of exhaling like ah, they're sighing. It's SI and they're sighing. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> Well, you know, I think that it's really interesting that the red door is, I don't really know what they mean by that. I guess they're, they're referring just to the further, but um, it's kind of like my, my question is, is like how many more times could this happen? They've went to the further, they've come back a hundred times. Lynn yeah. Shea seems like she's less prevalent in this, which I loved her in the films. Um, I think it's really funny. Yeah, it was good to have her back though. It is, but I don't think that she has a huge role. I don't know if they're just, oh, if she's not wanting to do it anymore, or if they're just kind of like trying to write her out, or what it is. Maybe she does have a big plot, you know, part of the plot. I don't know. But, um, so that is like going to college now. It's like 10 years later. Yeah. What do you think of that? I liked how they use the same actor. I mean, sometimes when you get into these movies, and they have multiple movies, they use somebody different. So that, that part, I do like how they kept the same, the same actor. But then again, yeah. like with these movies, um, to me personally, like they're they're good. The first few were good, but it's like it's like the Fast and the Furious. How many are they going to make until it's enough? You know, kind of kind of point. The trailer looked like it looked okay, but maybe I mean I'll have to see it to see if I really will enjoy it. But I didn't really care for the last. Well, definitely the fourth ones, and the third one was just eh. First two were good, so I don't know. It, uh, I have to see it to believe it, I guess. Yeah, I think they're okay, but there is a really creepy scene in it when something's crawling out from underneath the bed that looked really creepy. Uh, it's cool that they got the music back again, like the tiptoe through the tulip song back again, because that's one of the most popular things from the original film that everybody remembers and that creeped a lot of people out. It's cool they got that back. I'll definitely yeah. watch it. I think it's funny that they wanted to make it modern times to the point where they took Dalton's iPhone just to say, hey, he has an iPhone now, you know, the iPhone's out. It's, you know, we're, we're moving forward in technology. And he had that, what is like that little clocky thing? It's not the Newton's cradle, but you know what I'm talking about? 
And oh, I'm yeah. like, okay, so you have to show that on an iPhone instead of in real life now. I think it's hilarious. But um, I mean, it, it does look okay. I I really don't think this looks scary at all. I don't know if you guys think it looks scary, but I did not get frightened no. or vibes of being frightened, especially by the weird yeah. like stage makeup that they had with the I guess the ghost from the further. Which is something that the film did so well. Like Insidious didn't use like these like CGI ghost characters. They did up like stage makeup almost, but James Wan made it to where it was so, you know, intense. And the scenes really, really carried this kind of like dread. You could really feel it like the atmosphere built around it. But this film just seemed like they just said, Hey, look, we have some, you know, we went to the costume store Spirit Halloween and we got, you know some fake blood and some gashes. Let's throw them on somebody and just make a quick insidious film while we're at it, you know? So yeah. um, we'll see. I, I don't think this looks very promising. This is still Blumhouse, right? Did you guys catch yeah, it? Yeah, okay. I believe, yeah. 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 I was making sure somebody didn't buy the series or something. So um, kind of a renaissance of Blumhouse coming out, you know? After Halloween, we're getting all kinds of more Blumhouse films, which is... Kind of nice as I really do enjoy the Blumhouse um, franchises. I don't think Chris is much of a fan, are you, Chris? I enjoy Blumhouse. I think they do a really good job, but it's you never know what they're going to get. Yeah, yeah. Like you, you can get something that's aimed toward you know the young generation, and then you can get something that's made for the older generation. You just you never know what what they're going to go with. Yeah, totally. well, I talked to Blum. I talked to Blumhouse, and they said that we don't like Christopher Lack, so. You know, you got that. So <laughs> there's that. Sorry about your love. <laughs> I'm just playing. No, I, I don't know. This doesn't, to me, the trailer itself uh, did not look great. That's okay, Mike. Something. I'm editing you out of this entire podcast. Good. Because <laughs> I never asked to be, I, I never asked to be in it. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm just we just, Chris, we just show you up. You were asked, and we highly regret it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, um, it, oh, Chris gets this on the podcast as he comes to each of our house in the middle of the night yeah. with a lawn chair, and he like knocks on our window it, until we answer. We're like, "What's going on?" And Chris says, "Either A, come to a podcast tonight, or B, I'm going to shoot you right now." <laughs> and then we have to just do it. Come on, play, I've only, guys. I've come only on. had to shoot you three times. No, <laughs> I don't know. The, the trailer. Maybe this is just like, what, is this the first trailer? It is right. yeah, just came out because if there if there's more I haven't seen them but I was just saying the first trailer does not look promising at all. Yeah, you Put know that out there. when they say they're gonna make a new Insidious film, I don't believe it until I see the trailer because it's kind of like one of those things. It's like, hey guys, they're making another Insidious film and it comes up sporadically like throughout the year. Like the last one came yeah. out in January, the one before that came out in September, the one before that came out in April. So it's just like you don't know when it's going to come out. It just kind of pops up. This one's coming out in July, which is weird because that's where The Purge usually comes out. And after The Purge TV show, which was an absolute disaster, I hated it. Um, I guess the Blumhouse is looking to fill that void in the middle of the summertime. So they're going to do that with Insidious now. But, um, you know, it's been a year for horror already and coming out. You know, all throughout the year, there's additional horror films. You know, most recently we get The Evil Dead Rise. Chris, you are the only one who saw The Evil Dead Rise. Do not spoil it for us. What do you think? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna spoil anything. But 
everybody that is that I've seen that's watched it so far, whether it be podcasts, uh, review channels, just people on social media, have all been praising the film. Uh, how interesting and how fun and how gory it is. And it does have a lot of really cool things with it. Me, uh, for the most part of it, I was a little let down. Um, I was telling Mike earlier, there was a lot of really cool stuff about it like that I really liked. The most of that came in the last 30 minutes of the movie. The beginning of the movie is okay. It's just kind of a little, it's a little dumb. And then the middle, to me, was not fun at all. I didn't feel anything like Evil Dead. The, the, the main lady, the woman in the trailer, you know, the mom um, who gets possessed, um, she does not feel like she belongs in an Evil Dead film. When she gets possessed, she doesn't feel like a regular deadite. It's almost in the vein of the 2013 remake, uh, Deadites. At least her part is. Uh, when other people get possessed, they are more like the classic Evil Dead characters where um, they're more they're more comical. They're more creative with it. They're, they're more fast-paced. But the mom is really slow. She goes back and forth between being um, a dead-eye to being a normal person for a second just to tell somebody something it was kind of hit or miss when it comes to her being a dead eye and i did not like that aspect of it the rest of the movie though from like the the last 30 to 40 minutes if they would have kept the fast pace the blood and the gore and the comical aspect from that throughout the rest of the film it would have been amazing and i really wish i mean it had a lot of potential there's a lot of really cool things that they did that they could have went further with mm. i Whenever the filmmakers uh, came out and started talking about the film, they said they used like 72,000 gallons of blood or something like that. And I, I think he was kind of lying a little bit about that because, yes, there is a sequence that uses a lot of blood, but it's kind of like a cheap way to use that much blood. And I don't want to spoil it for you because it's actually a really cool scene, but it is kind of like a way to be like, yeah, we use 72,000 gallons of blood. Well, yeah, but not in the right aspect that we want you to use it in. But uh, I would recommend it. I think a lot of people really get enjoyment out of it, um, especially if you like the other films. You'll you'll definitely get some throwbacks. So there's a lot of references to Evil Dead Two. No way. And if you so if you like that one, you'll yeah. There's some really cool moments in there that reference the Evil Dead Two. Um, I I mean definitely go and see it, even if you're just a fan of horror films and not really of the, of the Evil Dead films. I still think this is something you'll get a kick out of. There's a lot of things in it, too, that plays on the horror tropes that I didn't like. And you know how I feel about some of those things, like the contortion things where people like their bones get broken and back mm -hmm. and forth. I, I hate that. They do use that a few times throughout the film. Um, mm -hmm. So that kind of made me kind of cringe just in, eh, why did you do something like this when you could be so more creative with the way you kill people in this film? Um, but yeah, check it out, guys. It's, it's actually a lot of fun. And I can't wait for you all to see it to see what you all think. I think yeah, you all dude. might like it a little bit more than me. Yeah. Evil Dead's one of my favorite franchise ever. Like it's I would say Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, those are two absolute perfect splatter films. Um one thing I wanted to say about the the newest one is it just didn't look it didn't look funny. Like you know obviously when you think about the Evil Dead, you think about the comedy, you think about the really gory scenes like oh 72,000 gallons of blood like you said Chris. And that's every single movie they've always had an excuse to use this like bloodbath and you really didn't see that in the newest one so i'm kind of curious to see that scene that you mentioned because i didn't know anything about that 
But um, this one seemed very straightforward, and I knew it was going to go one or two ways, but um, I am excited to see it. I actually wanted to show you guys this clip, because I, I don't know if you guys have seen this or not. Check this out. Look, hold on. Yeah, I don't know what this is now. By the way, everybody, the Marauder. Just so everybody knows. The Mar- the Mar- um, we held the elevator scene over the head to try and get the schedule. The goddamn movie. What's that? This movie fucking sucks. What? So yeah, um, uh, South by was South. That, was that Chris Lax? That was Chris. That was what I was going to say. God, Chris. <laughs> that was hey, Chris's man. reaction. I you didn't care TV. for it, but Jesus Christ. 72,000 <laughs> gallons of blood and for what? Like, so, so, where did they get that number? Is that actually how many gallons? That sounds like my three-year-old like giving me math problem. 72,000, daddy. Like, <laughs> what the hell? Like, so was this a, a? They were on a budget, Mike. They couldn't afford any more. They had to do seventy-two thousand. They tried to get seventy-five thousand. Couldn't do it. That's a little crazy. Seventy-two thousand gallons of gallons of blood. So that clip you just showed, uh, Tyler, was that they had a screening of the movie, and that was a reaction that somebody had after the screening. So as I mentioned, um, it's South by Southwest 2023, they premiered Evil Dead Rise and never been screened before any audience. Like no one had seen it before. Theater, you know, was opened up. People watched it and had a big Q&A with, like, Bruce Campbell, the director, writers, all of this. And the guy, they look, they're like, oh, you know, thank you guys so much for watching. We're going to do the Q&A now. And they kind of just start talking. And the guy said, learn to make a damn movie. And then they say, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> and he says, your movie fucking sucks. And he gets up <laughs> and they're like, what? And he starts, like, flipping them off. And it was yeah. at that moment I realized I wanted to see the Evil Dead Rise because I wanted to see if this guy was right. Because, you know, film bros, like when, you, when you're when you buying a ticket to South by Southwest and you're watching the Evil Dead Rise and watching this entire like Q&A with the cast and crew, you know what's up. Like you're probably like the biggest Evil Dead fan to be able to, you know, get in, wait in line yeah. for the screening, you know, wait, wait it out and actually see it. So I think it's really funny because I was like, you know, if he hates it, am I going to hate it? I mean, Chris, I mean, what do you know? I like, like, I didn't hate it. I, like I said, I, it was kind of right down the middle. I, I, it wasn't bad. The filmmakers did a really good job. I thought the filmmaking was, was spot on. Uh, it was just kind of the story that they told in the way they told it. Um, but no, the guy was completely wrong. I would highly recommend anybody watching it. Um, I don't, didn't say I didn't like it. So there's a lot of stuff about it that, could have been a lot better than what it was so hmm. well i've been out and about watching the entire series again getting ready for it and let me tell you like i had mentioned before evil dead evil dead 2 top of the line they're 9.9 out of 10 films low bruce campbell i love how goofy evil dead 2 is yeah watching both of them again i'm still a fan of the original and there's a lot of so- people who think evil dead 2 is better and a lot of people do think Evil Dead One's better, and I happen to be in that ballpark of saying the first one's my favorite. 
What is it, Mike? Uh, what, so what was it? Was it 2013, the the last Evil Dead before this Evil Dead Rise, correct? Was it 13? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I, I, I'm going to be honest. I wasn't a huge fan of that one. It, it was good, but it wasn't, like, amazing to me. But no, um, I didn't like even, it at all. Yeah, like, it, I was I was just, like, I wasn't overly impressed with it. Uh, kind of like what you said. I like the comedy aspect. I love Bruce Campbell. Um, I was, see, I'm I'm opposite, Tyler. I really enjoyed Evil Dead 2 the, in, in 1987. Um, I thought it was really well done, and I loved Evil Dead in, what was it, 80 or 81 when it came out? Mm-hmm. I think it was, yeah, I was like, I think it was 83. I might be right, though. I, mean, I may be wrong, though. Okay, I am but, right. I'm talking about, I'm right. Okay. Yeah, you're right, goddamn. Sorry. <laughs> but, um, Don't yeah, so Evil Dead, <laughs> Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2, uh, I mean, they were great. They had the comedy aspect or a side to it. Um, but then Evil Dead that was brought out in uh, 13, I just, I don't know. Getting that vibes from this one that just recently came out, what Friday? But I guess we'll see. I definitely will see it. I'm just I don't have a, a lot of high hopes for it. Well, dude, like uh, you know, I rewatched the Evil Dead 2013 remake as well. I'm with you guys. I did not like it in theaters. I probably would give yeah. it a five or six out of ten. And um, I know, like obviously, they had um, quality issues before. You remember that, Chris? Um, Mike, you may have heard too. It's um. Uh, they had like writers write it. I forgot the writers. And apparently they delivered the script to the studio and it was so bad or they just didn't like it or didn't think it would work. And they had um, Diablo Cody, which had wrote Juno and a couple other like Oscar winning scripts to come in to rewrite it for them. And I mean, I think that she did it justice um, enough because I, I want to see how that script was before she had the chance to overhaul it. But um Rewatch it again. Try it one more time because I did find like a respect for it later. Don't love I've it. watched it. I've watched it probably five to maybe six times, and I have hated it every single time. Oh, do, trust me, I don't love it. But I, the very first time I watched, it, I just did not like it at all. Um, it's it, it doesn't feel anything like an Evil Dead movie at all. It, it Nothing, doesn't. not one single aspect of it. The acting is, I mean, it's it's okay acting, but the when the deadites get possessed they don't have any resemblance to anything evil dead related and it's supposed to be in that same universe the dialogue which i don't know how much of it has to deal with you know diablo cody but it was awful it did not fit the tone of the film whatsoever it was a really serious movie mm-hmm. and everything was played serious but then the dialogue was written in like high school like as if it was somebody in high school dissing somebody else that they don't like and it was just Chris, very it was the writer <laughs> of juno I, what's, yeah, exactly. what's wrong with that <laughs> what's wrong with that chris i want the chris, whole breakdown we're having the well, I don't high, high school evil dead what are you guys going to do yeah. when it, like um cw announces like an evil dead show and it becomes this like teen dramedy and they're like over here like oh i don't want to go to the forest guys <laughs> so there is an episode of creep creep show uh from season i think it might be season two um where it's got um, not Sam Raimi, but his brother Ted Raimi in it, mm-hmm. and John it's Raimi, a whole yeah. Evil Dead episode where they get they get uh, they get possessed, and t- I think Ted Raimi goes and he's like at a is it a news show or like a um, like a it's shopping like a network show like, like, something like, like that yeah it's like a shop talk thing 
Yeah, and it's an hour-long episode, and it's a complete Evil Dead uh, episode, and it's really cool, and it's really well done, and it's it's way better than the 2013 remake was. So if you're going to watch anything Evil Dead-ish, watch that. Like, watch that episode of Creepshow. Honestly, uh, that was probably, like, either the best or the next-to-best episode of that entire series. It was so good. But yeah. um, I don't know. Are you a fan of the um, first or second Evil Dead more, Chris? Because I... Keep in mind, I want to say I love them both equally, almost like they're 10 out of 10s for different reasons. They're both great. Um, I just slightly lean to the first. I would go with Evil Dead 1 more. The second one, even though it's a lot of fun, it's basically a remake of the first film. Just a little bit of stuff changed and the tone is completely different. Instead of being half serious, half comical like the first one is, because Everything in the first movie is 100% serious, but then the stuff that's happening to him is just so over the top that it's funny. Yeah. But in part two, it's half serious, half comical, and everything that he's happened to him is 10 times over the top. Um, so I, I would go with one as being my favorite one more, but I really, really enjoy I mean, they're both 10 out of 10, yes, but I lean more toward the first movie. Nice. What would you give the newest one, like on a scale of 1 to 10? Um, I told Mike earlier, I give it right down the middle out of five because I need to see oh. it again because I'm not real sure how I really feel yet. Because like I said, there's so much I like, so much I don't like. I need to watch it again and see how, see how I, how I get that afterwards. That's fair. That's fair enough. I mean, I, I mean, I, I had to see Halloween ends twice. I mean, really. And that, that's a, that's a lot of movies though nowadays, like especially that have a lot of high hopes with it and they're out in theaters like you'll go watch in theaters and you're like, man, it was good, but maybe I'm missing something. And then you watch it again. You're like, that was a really damn good movie. So I mean, that's fair enough. They tried to imitate um, the same exact thing that smile did with evil dead. I watched this other, um, I forgot what it was. I think it was on YouTube or TikTok or something, but people came out and they were like pretending to be deadites in the theater as a marketing ploy. And they had it on film and it was very cringy. Let's just say so I don't know, like it's like the Evil Dead wants to be like the trendy, cool kind of like horror movie of today. But let's just be honest, it's already overshadowed to me by Scream. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I don't know how to say it. I mean, uh, Screaming I mean, is successful. I think there's a lot more. Well, as as we're recording this though, it's already made over 23 million at the box office. Oh yeah. yeah. So yeah, and the weekend hasn't even been done. That's only on a Friday or Thursday, Friday, and Saturday totals. That's nothing with Sundays. Or anything so that's kind of crazy well you have to understand too it's been it's been a while and they did a really good job of marketing this so i wouldn't be surprised if it did fantastic numbers so what yeah. else um if you guys what, what else did you watch mike um so i introduced my daughter which is just now 11 years old uh to fright fight or oh, shit fright <laughs> yes mike, <laughs> to our podcast. Our podcast yeah well yeah <laughs> Good job, right? Uh, Fright Night. Um, so the original. Um, the Fright Fights? Uh, not us, thank God. Because <laughs> I would, the way we talk on here, is that, that, one guy, one? Like, that, that one guy, Mike McKinney, that is prick, that, I tell you what. Is yeah. that the movie where uh, this guy has uh, a couple of podcasters move in next door and he thinks that one of them might be a serial killer? I heard that Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I, let, let's do that. That's pretty good. But no, I uh, introduced her to Fright Night. Um, 
that's probably my all-time favorite vampire movie. Just growing up, I watched it with my father growing up. And uh, she really enjoyed it. I was a little, like, you know, a little skeptical on, you know, how old it was, if she would have thought it was scary. She didn't really think it was scary. She just thought it was very interesting. And, like, <clears throat> nowadays, she, she, she sees all this CGI, you know, over-the-top blood and gore. And I think my daughter really appreciates like the the makeup appearance on on how they used to do things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can Let see it in this, her Mike. eyes. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this: Does does she know what a horror host is? Like the what the the uh, Peter fuck? What's his name? Uh, Isn't it Peter Vincent? Yeah, Peter Vincent. Yeah, Thank you. Um, he's the horror host, and like the the remake, they went on to be like a magician. But, you know, back in the day, they had the horror host. Does she know what that even is nowadays? See, no, like, because we just went in just watching it. She didn't really have questions. We we watched it just for just for fun and games. Just like, hey, I want to introduce you to this movie. Didn't even really talk about it. The next day after she got out of school, we kind of talked about it. And she was like, yeah, I really liked, you know, how um, I, I think she liked the interaction with, with like, how the, the, the guy and the girl um she liked the you know the the scenes at the end but where you know the 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 friend turned into the vampire and she stabbed him and like like you could see him changing into like the vampire mid-change and she my daughter just thought it was really cool because you see the cgi today but you could really see like you know the makeup and the the prosthetics put on with with like the movies in the 80s and the 90s which I'm a huge fan of. I just feel like they they took their time on these older movies of making their creatures, their monsters, then just throwing it on a computer. Here it is. It's awesome. It's it's there. Um, so me growing up in the you know late eighties, nineties, watching all those movies, I I just feel like they 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 took their time on on building the movie, building the characters. Uh, rather than just throwing it on the computer, I'm not saying today there it, it's trash by all means. I just feel like, yes, you are, Mike. Yes, you are. It's just, I guess, I guess, I just feel, I feel like I appreciate it more. Like they put more effort into it, you know, and they it dedicated themselves more on creating the image, the image of of something than they do now. It's so easy just to throw it on the computer, watch and say. But it is. It's easier to just throw it on the computer. This is what we're going to do. Let's add this. Let's take away this. Let's fade this out. But back then, they actually had to, you know, physically do it. And I just, I feel like there's a lot that's lost from back then to today. And um, and I feel like that a lot of people are like like these movie viewers and and you know the 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 people that rate these movies, they get lost on that the dedication that it took to to build characters in in previous scary movies in order scary movies just to say oh yeah absolutely and uh, as much as i I do love digital filmmaking uh, my hot take on it is that it's great because more films are being made today because obviously 20 years ago in order to make a film you had to be able to actually shoot on film which is expensive you had to hire very like more difficult access to actors you had more um, regulations in terms of having like dangers on set you had to worry about lights which was very hot like you read about you know these argento films 
and how like the set reached 110 degrees, 120 degrees, mm-hmm. or even like the Wizard of Oz whenever it was like raining asbestos, stowing asbestos. I mean, that's insane. Uh, you literally had to risk your life to make a film before 1980, I always like to say. But um, today it is a lot safer and a lot you know, more feasible and ultimately cheaper. But you, you do have to give props to like, like you said, you know, vampire transformation when you watch it in um, Fright Fights, as we said. <laughs> um, yeah. It's really like... It's a novelty to see, and it's something you really don't see anymore because it is much more difficult to do. And sometimes you do find people who come along and try to remake a film that has practical effects. But I hate saying it, but it kind of looks like they're imitating them now. Right. Like they're like, oh, yeah, we love if if you love the video store and you love, you know, horror and you love um, practical effects and you love the lights and stuff you need to see this film um, because we're doing that. But really, it just doesn't cut it anymore. It just... It it, it doesn't. And <laughs> I will, I will go with you on that. Like, and pretending that it's film. It doesn't work. Right. Yeah, it's just like now, some of these movies that they make, don't get me wrong, like, they're they're amazing. and, oh, yeah. and right. But it's like they, they, they try too hard. It's like... It's like the... It's like they're missing something. I don't know if they're missing, like, I keep referring to this word like the dedication or the effort, but you can just see like, you know, like the blood, sweat, tears, all that was put into these older, you know, horror movies. And I feel like the, the monsters or the vampires or whatever it was back in the eighties or nineties, even early two thousands, it just felt like there was more effort put into it. You know, I get that. And um, on another note, you know, they say never meet your idols. It's always a bad idea. And I was at Horror Hound a couple of years ago, and I was so excited to meet um, Tom Holland, which directed um, Fright Night. He also directed, um, you know, Chucky. That's what he's most known for, his Child's Play. Um, but I was so excited, and I, I saw him over there. I walked up, um, had my you know Fright Fight um, Blu-ray ready to go, um, proudly owning because it's out of it was out of print at the time. I was like, you know, will you sign this Twilight Time Blu-ray for me? And I just tried to like, I was like, you know, this was my first horror movie that I truly like fell in love with, like the art of filmmaking with. Because I was like, I was probably like 12 or 13. That was the moment I was like, you know, this is, this is cool. This is awesome. Yeah. And he was not interested in talking about Fright. He was he was interested in talking about Child's Play. He was interested in talking about um, Fright Night. He did not want to chat about it. And that was just, it was such a crappy experience because, you know, I loved that film and I loved Tom Holland's work and, you know, Child's Play, I think it's a lot of fun too. So um, yeah, that's a little um, tidbit. Never meet your idols. Also me and Chris watched a panel um, speaking a horror host and some guy was like, how was, what was it like working with Vincent Price? And they were like, um, Vincent Price wasn't in this movie. The guy's name was Peter Vincent. It was played by a fictional, you know, it's a, it's a fictional character. It wasn't actually like a person. And he was like, oh, I could have swore. But on IMDb, it said, and they're like, well, IMDb's wrong. We were it's probably, it's, I usually record the, the Q&A panels that I go to. I probably have it on my YouTube page, uh, that panel, because there's a couple of child's play uh panels that i have up there that has tom holland in it so mm. I, I think that's on one of them i have i remember that happening yeah 
Yeah, but I mean, it's a very fun experience uh, to be able to go there and just see them talk at least. That's the only time they'll actually discuss the film. And um, yeah, I mean, it's just very nostalgic for me. And I just, I love Fright Night so much. And I'm glad that you're passing that along to your daughter as well. Because it is- Oh yeah, for sure. And I think that a lot of kids really, it's becoming like cool to be, they call it film bros nowadays. And every yeah. generation, every generation has like a different term for it. But but yeah, man, that that was one thing that I really was focused on trying to do was get get my daughter somewhat interested in in the movies that I grew up with. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's something you know I think she can appreciate. And because that's what my father did, you know, when I when I started watching scary movies, you know, um, it, it was the time frame of Halloween, and it was also God, silver bullet, you know, uh, growing up to that. And man, like, I really fell in love with these movies. And I, I'll never forget. And hopefully, like, you know, when she grows up to be my age, well, my dad showed me this movie, Fright Night, and it was made in the, God, what was it? When was it? What was the year they came out with? It, it was, um, let's let's see. See, I think. was it 84, 85? 85. So, you know, hope, and then she could pass that along because these are movies I don't want people to ever forget, you know, because these are such classics. And, you know, if we can keep passing these on to the next generation, it keeps these movies alive, you know, and um, mm-hmm. it, it's just, I appreciate this time frame and like the efforts that were put into made, the, making these movies, not just Fright Night and speaking on like Silver Bullet. Um, God, speaking on like a monster squad, you know, to get kind of a comedy, you know, like my daughter loves that movie. Um, I really appreciate that time frame. Um, I just feel like the dedication and the efforts and um, they just didn't come out with a new movie every other year. You know, it it took a while for them to build a a so-called masterpiece, you know. And, you know, that's... um all these films we're mentioning is kind of like gateway horrors as well. And it's, it's a collection of films like monster squad and fright nights that you kind of see that being like a, a gateway into like liking more horror stuff. So a lot of people get exposed to these films first. So I think that's, it's going to be like a a wave of nostalgia for a lot of people. When you say monster squad, fright night, you know, all these films, cause it's, it's like, people's first experience in horror unless you have the remote control and like you're like flipping late night hbo and like you're watching a movie behind your parents back as a kid and it was in the 90s you know what i mean oh yeah dude i remember i watched sleepaway camp um after oh gosh night and that was i was not very old I, i barely remember scenes from it but that was a shocker you know I mean, oh yeah, literally. literally. What's going on here? But uh, I mean, like that. I mean, it's just it. That's that's what makes horror so fun. It's a little like you shouldn't really, you know. It's it's safe. Like horror. Yeah. You know, like obviously, even as a kid, you know, like hey, this is not necessarily real. I'm watching this from the comfort of my own home. It's gonna scare me, but at the same time, like I can, you know, I can watch it and enjoy it. And it's something that, like, you're able to do it's a little taboo, but at the same time, it's not yeah. for anybody. You know what I mean? No. I mean, like, I know for me growing up, you know, I I, there, I had a lot of friends, but some of these some of these kids wanted, like, 
even back then would, would stay out late and run around. Dude, I was safe. I was at the house. I was watching movies when I was a kid, you know, um, and me staying up late. Don't get me wrong. I would stay up till two, three, four in the morning mm-hmm. watching scary movies. And that was just that was me growing up. And uh, I think I think like, you know, horror movies in general really help, you know, progress me as a as a as a child into teenage years and, you know, and, and kept me safe. It really did. Mm-hmm. Um, kept me kept me home, kept me protected. And, you know, it, it, it opened up a whole new world of imaginary, you know, beliefs. And and it really got me to, you know, uh, to it protected me. I mean, it, it's kind of weird saying that, but grew up, man. And it's just I'm glad I was introduced to these movies at a, such a young age. And the people always ask, what's what's too young to introduce your, your kids to like horror movies? And I think until they until they can realize what's fake and what's not, you know, what's fake and they can realize what these movies are not real, then introduce it to them. Like, I don't think there is any really like correct or incorrect age. Um, if they're frightened, obviously don't let them watch it. But you got to you got to at least teach them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you can't raise it. You can't raise like any one kid the same. Right. They all, they're all very different. So. It's kind of like at your discretion, but at the end of the day, like sometimes it's kind of fun to like not let them and let them kind of discover horror films on their own. And oh like, yeah, absolutely. Secretive about it, like hey, I can't, I can't let my dad know that I watched this. Kind yeah. of but it kind of makes it scarier because you can't talk to anybody about it. You're just like, is it real? Is it fake? And you're truly afraid. Yes, man. I I agree. I mean, God, uh, so many movies that. I could go back on and talk like just speaking of Fright Night. I even um God, um Fright Night 2. Like it wasn't as good obviously as the first one. I love I still Fright enjoyed Night it. 2 almost as much. Dude, right? Right? Uh, like it is very good. It is very good. So what do you think about the the reboot remake of the one with um God, what's it's the actor that died? Yes. I didn't mind it. I thought it was good. It's not I, bad. I didn't love it. I didn't love it, but it's nowhere com- nowhere close to the um, the original, obviously. But I didn't mind it; did not hate it. I thought it was pretty good. Listen, Fright Night, Fright Night Two is somewhere between like an eight and a nine, and I would say the remake is probably somewhere around a seven, seven and a half. Um, and then believe it or not, there's a sequel to the remake, and that one sucks. I mean, that's not good. Uh, I bet it's terrible. I didn't even know there was, to be honest with you. It's not really fair to even give it a score because it was so separated from the original ones and it was straight to, to DVD Blu-ray that it wasn't even, you could barely classify it, you know, as a part of the franchise, like a film. See, like, wonder where this would have led on to. Wonder if they would have made a second one if, uh, um, what was his name? God, I can't think of his name. Uh, the actor at that, Anton, or... Anton Yekin. Yes. Like, you know, if he never passed, what would the second one been a been a hit? You know? Um, you never really know the what ifs, but um I'm kinda like you. The original Fright Night to me, the original Fright Night was a 10 to me. This Fright Night 2 was was an eight. It was a solid eight. Loved it. Um, the remake, I I'm right there with you. I gave it a seven. I've never seen the remake of Fright Night 2, so 
I'm kind of curious. I, I'll have to probably watch that, but they're all like 10, 8, 7, yeah. right, right in line there. So <laughs> we're, we're pretty close there. I just now found, found it. I'm looking it up. Oh, this looks yeah. bad. Yeah, it's not even the same cast. So it's it's completely unrelated to the franchise. Honestly, it's not it's not worth the your time. Oh my gosh, they didn't even use the yeah. Peter Vincent and they didn't use the, Oh man, that's pretty yeah, bad. Completely, just it's it's garbage. Honestly, I hate saying that. <laughs> no, I can see why. How it's so hard to like make films from you know the eighties and before, and how much like work went into it. And yeah, once in a while though, there comes along a film that still does that and uses kind of like old school techniques to make modern you know cinema and one movie i watched personally recently was the lighthouse it's um oh yeah have you seen them very good um so this is a robert eggers film he's the guy who made the witch back in 2015 i'm very super really he's like uh, amazing filmmaker i don't even know how to describe like i've listened to him on podcasts before he really takes a lot of inspiration from ingmar bergman which is a great filmmaker love his stuff the virgin spring top tier 100 percent. yeah but um the lighthouse was what makes it very interesting is the fact that he used 1920 real black and white film and restored film cameras to make the entire really yeah so this film was not shot black and white i mean this film wasn't shot regular digitally and then converted to black and white but it was shot black and white did not know that yeah and um the aspect ratio was pretty much a square so this aspect ratio was 119 to 1 and it makes it a very claustrophobic kind of environment now can we say the lighthouse is straight up horror not really um it does you could almost watch it through the eyes of a horror lens and you will see horror in it it, it does go horror um it can be it could probably definitely be considered horror as well but it's more you know psychological thriller and it's just because it's about two lighthouse um workers one um killed theself and went insane she died from insanity basically and there's a young lighthouse worker that comes on in his replacement um this guy is robert pattinson's character so it's robert pattinson and william defoe and they okay. are um wikis is what they call them and they're lighthouse keepers that's what that um translates to and basically they just are they're looking after this lighthouse and slowly you see the two men go insane and a lot of stuff happens to them um there's there's like this wor- weird um mermaid sex scene as well which i appreciated <laughs> but uh, i mean it, it's 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 interesting you know it's it's something that yeah. you don't really see a modern filmmaker take inspiration from Igmark Bergman filming things on 119 to 1 aspect ratio perfect square 1920 film camera in black and white with mermaid sex in the middle of like Robert Pattinson and Oscar winner William Defoe you know it's just a crazy concept that works and yeah a lot of people hate this film a lot of people love this film 
they defend it with everything in them and it's such a polarizing split between the two and um i happen to be on the side that really appreciates it um a24 is the studio and they put out a blu-ray release and it has you know some behind the scenes it's a beautiful i i'm, I'm almost want to show it to you but it's another room but um it has like booklets with it. it has like you know all kinds of like free like storyboarded imagery and stuff it's really it's it's a solid release and that's the reason i rewatched it was because i got that on blu-ray <clears throat> because, i was gonna say because technically it's a psychological like mystery right am, am i like i remember watching this but that it's been uh when this came out in what 2017 18 um 2019 or, was the uh, okay so tw- okay so so it's like a yeah a mystery right i've only um, seen it once yeah it kind of goes like mystery vibe and it, it, there's a lot of lenses you can watch it through like you know you see horror there because obviously yeah. the community and there's something like they're enchanted yeah. by the light um there's mystery as well because you're kind of like uncovering things about this lighthouse and then there's um a psychological thriller because again the concept of them being isolated and alone at this lighthouse so it goes yeah. a lot of different directions and it's insane and i mean it's not everybody's cup of tea you gotta right right oh, this is black and white this is you know not necessarily completely slow cinema but it does go a little slower. Chris would hate it. Let's just be honest. But uh, <laughs> it's basically everything Chris hates in a movie is what in this movie. is. <laughs> if he was here, he'd be shaking his head. Um, We're going to pick that as next movie for him to watch. Yeah. Oh, speaking the devil, here he comes. Oh, hey, Christopher Lax. We're talking very highly of you. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, I don't know what you guys said, so, but fuck you both. No, uh, you have to watch <laughs> The Lighthouse. Um, that's your next movie you have to watch. No, I said, um, I was like, you know, The Lighthouse is very polarizing because half the people who watch it hate it. Half the people who watch it love it. But you have to also keep in mind, this is a true blue, black and white shot on film. 1.19 to 1 aspect ratio, perfect square, slow cinema with Oscar winner William Defoe and Robert Pattinson and about the insanity of two men in a lighthouse that slowly kind of unravels the point of like their breaking point. And I said, it's basically everything Chris would hate in a movie is the lighthouse. Yeah, I don't like it. it sounds awful. <laughs> See, honestly, this is, this was Robert, Robert Pattinson. This is how he became Batman. He went to the lighthouse. And he messed him up a little bit. He became Batman. He got powers from the sea. Can I just be honest with you? I think that Robert Pattinson, remembering him from Twilight, right? Yeah. <laughs> the guy has come so far. Like, he's the only yeah. actor from Twilight that's actually done something that's of substance. I saw his Batman film. I, I know this it. is a horror podcast. But I just want to say, like, it's kind of horrific. I mean, it's kind of fucking horrific. There are some scenes, it's like this, you know, we get this emo Batman. Like, it's just like he has, he blacks out his eyes and wears sunglasses because the sun hurts him. Like, he's just like this, like, you know, yeah, black out those eyes because you've never been outside. You know, you you stand underground, you hack things. You, you're an absolute kind of like badass. And like this weird, like sensitive emo boy type way. 
So it kind of does go back to his Twilight roots. I'm going off subject here, but I just want to say that Robert Pattinson kills it in the lighthouse. William Defoe kills it in the lighthouse. Robert Eggers is a hell of a director. The lighthouse is badass. Again, not everybody's cup of tea, mainly Chris's. I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. I'm just going to say it, 9 out of 10. Oh, boy. Getting deep. Getting deep. Chris, you're up. What you got? So I, first off, before we get started on the next movie, um, just saw this. The Trick or Treat just got announced to be released on 4K from Synapse Films with all bonus features being done by Red Red Shirt Pictures, Michael Felcher. Mm-hmm. So I know this is movie's been released on DVD, but it's never had a Blu-ray treatment except for like UK. Uh, so this is the first time it's getting a release since like two thousand, like early two thousands. Uh, two thousand three was when this DVD came out. So it's really cool that Trick or Treat's finally getting that remastered. Yeah, because before you had to go um, to eBay and buy that German um, all region Blu-ray, and that it it had German subtitles. I'm pretty sure as well. Throughout the whole entire yeah. thing, you couldn't remove. So it's what I want to say is it's about time, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. But um, the next movie Chris, that I watched was. Before you get started in that, I don't want to interrupt and I want to make this too hard to edit, but your um, audio is down. Did you. Um, it's very, very low. It was fine before you left, but when you came back, it's. Do you get that mic or is it just me? It, it, it is a little low. Told you that Chris is definitely cursed. No one believes me. Yeah, we're done now with Chris. So anyway, it's time. <laughs> anyway, back to um, William Defoe. Yeah, William <laughs> Defoe. <laughs> More like William Dehoe, because he that ass. I don't know. Has anybody watched this TV series called From? From? Have you heard about? It? Yep. Have you heard about it? No. I've been wanting to watch. Okay, guys, can you hear me now? Yes. What'd you yes. do? All right. I just went ahead and disconnected uh, my Bluetooth and headphones and then reconnected. That's bizarre, honestly. So I have two I have two um, shows on my list I want to watch. One is Beef on Netflix. And then the other one is Swarm. That's on Amazon Prime. All right, Chris, you're up. Um, so there's only one more movie that I watched, which was a Shutter. I think it's a Shutter exclusive. It was uh, called Kids versus Aliens. It's very new to the service, and it's about a group of kids who their parents leave them at home over the weekend, and they throw this massive party. And it's a mixture of like seven, eight. It might be a little bit older, maybe like nine and ten year olds, um, and then mixed with you know seventeen, eighteen year olds. And they have this massive party. And during this party, the this big alien spaceship lands in the nearby lake. And these aliens come out and start attacking everybody at the party and start dragging them back to the spaceship to kind of capture them and, and, and kill them off. And it was a really cool movie. It was a lot of fun. Um, there's only one thing that was bad about it. It's, it's like a kid's movie. It feels like a kid's movie in every way. Like if you were watching this, like in one of those, 
you know those kids movies you grew up with as a kid where it's like the Goonies, those those adventure movies with kids. It yeah. feels like one of those because of the there's a lot of action. The the gore only comes from the aliens themselves. So you don't get a lot of like blood or decapitations or anything. It's only killing aliens when you really see like the, the gore and violent. But it has this weird music tone. So throughout the entire movie, it's always playing like rock music or like party music. It's never any type of atmospheric music or anything or any type of theme to it. It's just always party or rock. So it has a weird tone to it because the movie itself is just action-packed, if that makes sense. And it feels like a kid's movie trying to be an an R-rated horror film because it is R-rated because the kids are constantly saying the F word over and over again, even like the nine and 10-year-olds. Yeah, so it's played out. in an R-rated fashion, but in the style of a PG family-friendly movie. It's really weird. It's so really strange to watch. Is it, it's obviously made for adults. But Yeah, it's made for adults because it's, it's R. rated R with, with a lot of language in it. But it's got the style of a kid's movie to it. It's very, very odd. Very bizarre. It was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed watching it. it it's, <clears throat> it's a very fast-paced movie. There's always something happening. It doesn't really have a dull moment to it. And the kids are pretty, pretty interesting. They, they have uh, three different kids. One of them is a really good actor. The other two are, they're okay, but um, they are wannabe filmmakers. So that's kind of like a relatable aspect for my part. You can kind of relate to them a little bit and they, they're having fun with it and they just want to, you know, make the, the aliens they want to kill the aliens because it's they're interrupting the, their party they're filming and all this stuff it's really really cool i i'd recommend it for everybody interesting uh, it reminds me of when me and mike were talking a minute ago about gateway horrors like horror movies you'd show your kid to get them into horror um but this is obviously not that <laughs> which i think is very interesting because you sent yeah. me the trailer, Chris, or you told me to watch it. You're you watching it or something. And I, I remember watching the trailer and thinking it was, it did seem very like hard PG, soft PG 13. So I had no idea it was rated R. And that's kind of bizarre to me. So I don't know. Which is Shudder. So I mean, has Shudder made a kids' movie? Yeah. I guess this is their style of a kids movie. Weird. Hmm. Speaking of kids movie, um, have you guys you guys watched the Gremlins, um, Secrets of Mogwi? No. Great. Did you just say Mogwi? Yes. Like the fucking Jungle Book. Yeah. <laughs> it's Mogwai. <laughs> no, I know, I know. I, after we said, "Did you see Mowgli like the Jungle Book?" I was like, "Yes." <laughs> but honestly, that's what I mean, right? Do you guys not feel that way? Horrible animation yes. style. Okay, no, I, don't, I, I, don't get me wrong. Okay. Maybe it's gonna be maybe the animation style is supposed to be like artistic and that's the way it's like hand-drawn or something, but to me, it just just seemed very on the nose. I don't know. 
Are you guys going to watch it? Yeah, I'm not. Probably won't. I'm definitely going to watch it. I really love Gremlins and I love the character. You know, I love Gizmo and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the I'm not a fan of the animation at all, but I can overlook the animation as long as the story is fun and the story adapts from the actual films itself. But there's a lot of stuff they leave out because in the in the trailer, you see a shot of water being spilled on Gizmo. And then instead of popping out the other, you know, Mogwais in the little Gizmo, uh, like Gizmo fashion, they immediately turn into gremlins. Mm. And that's not how it works in the film. So I was a little confused on that. They got that wrong. So like, what else are they going to get wrong? I just would rather have a Burbs TV show. <laughs> oh, God, yes. Right? The <laughs> Burbs, yes. I've never, <laughs> I've never been a huge fan of gremlins. Like, it was okay as a kid. I've only watched it maybe two times in my entire life. I'm fine with that. But the burbs, put that on every week. I watch it every day. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, God, the burbs are a classic. God, yeah. it's a classic. And um, I don't know why. Honestly, that now I'm thinking about it. I kind of want to adapt it into a, a TV series. It's kind of good. Sounds good. So, um. Chris, while while we're talking about um, your films as well, you had a weird thing happen to you, you said? Yeah, so it's really strange. A few episodes ago, we talked about sleep paralysis. And even you mentioned while I was talking about it that just talking about it can cause sleep paralysis to happen, right? Mm -hmm. Well, it happened again to me. And this is the third time in my life that I've experienced this. And they all three have been different, completely different. And this one was very, very strange. So unlike the other two, this one took place in the day. I took a nap. I went to sleep. Um, I was trying to get about an hour to maybe two hours of sleep in. And my alarm goes off. And I knew that I had a little bit of extra time. So I hit the snooze button for like, 10 to 15 minutes right what everybody does they don't want to go to work they want to sleep more so when this happens um i you know hit my alarm try to fall back asleep and i'm in the middle of i mean i must have slept for maybe two or three minutes before i woke back up Mm -hmm. and when i did i was laying on my stomach and i immediately like I, i i feel myself waking up so i'm trying to to you know grab the blanket and roll back over and as I'm doing this, I realize that I can't move. And I'm my head is facing the doorway. And all I can see is an outline of a woman. And I can't make out what she looks like. It's just like a like a figure, like a, a shadow of a person. And she says to me, You thought there was someone in your house. Now you know for sure. And while she says this, the only sound I can hear is picture the old school VHS, like a, a VCR. And do you remember the sound like when a VHS tape would get stuck in a, v, a VCR and it would just like wind up inside the, 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 the VCR? That sound would get, it was like, it sounded just like that sound, but it kept getting louder and louder and louder. And whenever she said that to me, when she said, you know, now you know, she just immediately like vanishes away and i'm trying to move but i still can't move i'm trying to say something and i can't say anything 
And it was at that moment whenever I couldn't breathe, I found myself like gasping for air. And it was just like this big pressure, like a weight was on my chest that just was like suffocating me. Jesus. And in my mind, all I can tell myself is like, I'm, I wasn't scared of the woman that I saw or, or what she said, but from where I can't breathe, my mind is telling me, Chris, you're having a heart attack. And that's what I thought. Like immediately I was like, oh God, I got to get, I need to talk to somebody because I'm, I'm having a heart attack. I can't breathe. And I can't, this pressure is in my chest. And it was like, it was really scary. And then immediately, like out of nowhere, it snapped out of it. I moved and I set up and it was gone. The feeling of the pressure on my chest, the, the sound that I was hearing and the figure was just all gone instantly. And it felt like it lasted for at least a, a good minute. It was very strange. It's wild, dude. That's insane, honestly. Are you okay then? <laughs> <laughs> like, are you like, are you okay? I hope like, so. Is this really Christopher Lax? <laughs> no, like that's. I mean, that, that is true, hundred percent. When you talk about, and it's kind of scary to me because now I'm like, is it going to happen to me? Um, but when yeah, you, you told us this, and if I fall asleep and I have this shit going, I'm coming after you. Well, they also <laughs> say so. You set your alarm, um, and you wake up. So your body it could have been an REM, um, which is like level four of sleep. Your alarm goes off and it immediately pulls you from level four to level like right out of it. So like your body's fully awake. And then there's something that happens, you know, like that feeling whenever you feel like you're falling when you fall asleep. There's a term for that, but something similar happens whenever you go from level four REM to being woke up and then immediately fall back asleep. And that could have been, scientifically speaking, what caused your sleep paralysis. Because if you fall back into like level one after level four and you get woke up by something, a noise or something in your house, it could make you, you know, wake up, but still be in like level four sleep. You know what I mean? If it's only yeah. for a second. So yeah. that's, that could have been contributed, but also Chris could also be cursed. I just want to say I feel like he's cursed. I feel like he's definitely cursed. Well, I do have I have one more movie I want to cover because this is something that I think should be on every horror fan's radar, especially when we talk about nostalgic of the 90s. It's Bio Zombies. I had never heard of this oh. before. It's from Japan. Um, I think it was 90, 99 or 98, late 90s. Vinegar Syndrome's partner label put it out recently. I'm not for sure which partner label it was, though. But it was put out by Vinegar Syndrome. That's where I got it. I got it at a convention. And um, the premise, I mean, honestly, I just read the back of the box. The premise seemed really interesting. I was like, why has no one talked about this? Why have I never heard of this? But um, I read a review, and it's kind of perfect. So the review said, Surge Soda, the movie. Because <laughs> it honestly feels like a Surge Soda commercial goes horror. This thing has zombies. This thing has 90s culture. Um, the the dude has a purple Game Boy color and he uses it to like sh it's it's insane. They go through this mall, they own a bootleg DVD video store. They have like VHS and DVDs they bootleg for people at the small and there's weird kung fu scenes but it's not like a weird kung fu movie it's just very like 90s fun and um essentially this drink 
the government has acquired in Japan has made people like start going crazy, like the turn kind of zombie like. So that's where like Surge Soda the movie comes into play because it's very 90s and it's about it. It's you know the best way to describe it to somebody who's never seen it before, and it's not even gonna do it justice is the movie The Stuff. If you watch the stuff. Um because this is basically a soda that turns people insane and turns them into zombies. But keep in mind, this is rooted in the 90s culture. So we get, you know, Game Boys, you know, VHS. We get that look of the 90s. It's very video-y. So um, I would 100% recommend this. It's so much fun. Bio-zombies. Well, would you rank it? Um, 7 out of 10. Easily, Ooh. yeah. Oh, it's solid. Definitely good. I mean, it, it, the weird thing is, is it's not available anywhere. I had never watched it before. Um, it's it never really went to. It may have went to VHS, but it definitely never got a DVD or Blu-ray release. So this was very Ooh. very hard to find. And finally, it's you know it's where it's available. It's it's worth the pickup. I think it's like twenty eight bucks, thirty bucks or something like that. So it's one to add to the collection for sure. Especially with like nineties culture meets, you know, like if you were a fan of like the scream films from the nineties and early two thousands, or if you liked, you know, Idle Hands kind of like vibe or Cherry Falls kind of vibe, this is that and more. It's it really just feels so fun. It's like a nostalgic trip to the nineties with zombies and surge soda and shit like that. So um check it out. Sounds, sure. sounds cool. Oh yeah. I'll have to loan it out to you guys and you guys can check it out because I really yeah. like it. It's cool. I'd like to see it. It is in Japanese, I think. Um, so it is subtitled, but besides that, I know that subtitles sometimes, you know. Gets a bad rap for horror, but um, it's I think it's still worth checking out. Did you have, I think you had um, you had one more, didn't you, Mike, that you watched, or do we cover? Our- um, I think you know, Fright Nights, um, what else did I watch? Any uh, final the Lost Boys, no, I'm sorry, The Lost Boys. Rewatch The Lost Boys, another classic vampire movie. Um, I'm a huge fan of this movie, not as much as um, Fright Night, but still, still a huge, huge fan of The Lost Boys. Um, I just randomly watched this one day on my break, so you know, I'm sure everybody's familiar with that. It was good, just good to watch it. But I, I want to take the, the most important part is in the beginning. When they're at this, like, um, I guess, party, um, and and this big buff dude is singing with a, or playing with a saxophone. Why is he so wet? Why is he so, like, has anybody, you know what I'm talking about? Why is he soaking wet? Like, who's spraying <laughs> off? Why is he just, like, like, playing with a saxophone? And people are really enjoying it. And it's like, man, he's really getting down to it. No, all jokes aside. But um, I, I'm i a huge fan of this movie. Um, I love, you know, um, all the actors, really. Like Corey Haim, um, Edward, uh, was Edward Her- Herman? Was mm-hmm. the, uh, the Max guy? Yeah. Um, 
I mean, you got Corey Feldman, you got uh, Kiefer Sutherland. Um, it's just really well put together. I thought it was really done well. Man. Um, not a, were you a fan? Were you a fan or not a fan? Not a huge fan. No, what? Oh my Listen, gosh! There's only one saxophone movie for me, and that is The Devil's Honey by Lucio Fulci. That's it, baby. <laughs> I I really I like the Lost Boys. I like the Lost Boys. I've not seen it's. I've not seen it a lot. It's. I've only seen it just a few times. But the one thing I did really enjoy about it, uh, from the times I've watched it, was the fact that they are able to kill the vampires in so many different ways. Like each vampire dies yes. differently. That's the one cool thing about this film, and I think that's what most people really enjoy about it as well. I love the part where the boys like sneak into the cave and climb up and stab the one vampire, like hanging upside down, sleeping, and like. It's just, it's ah, it's so eighties. Um, it it's just God. I, I really love. There's one. There's another kill where um, <clears throat> one of the vampires. I think he gets knocked in a bathtub by a dog, like uh, and like he's just melting. And it's like every time he comes back out of the water, like his eyeballs out of his face, you know. And then he goes back in and he comes back out and he's like just a skeleton, you know. It's just like it, it keeps getting better. And it's done so well. Uh, but so I watch Lost Boys. Love the Lost Boys. Um, if you haven't watched it, I, I de- definitely highly recommend it. But for me on the Lost Boys, it's up there. It, I give it Lost Boys an 8 out of 10. Hey, that's, um, that's quite high. <laughs> super super big fan of it. I don't hate the Lost Boys. I don't. But I I need to rewatch it as well because it's been a while. But it's just whenever I saw it at the phase I was in my life, I didn't right. much with it. But it's definitely one no, fair enough. easy rewatch for me. But I am telling the viewers definitely watch The Devil's Honey, Lucia Fulci, saxophone. You'll thank me later. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. You know what time it is? It's, it's time, time for another episode of Fright Fights Podcast. All right. Fright Fights Podcast. <laughs> do it, do it. Ba-da-dum, boom, ba-da-dum. Can you guys do it? <laughs> um, yeah, we're going to take a break. We are going to be back um, after snacks and nap. And then Chris is going to watch The Lighthouse. He's going to tell us what he <laughs> thinks about it when he gets back. And that's going to be the rest of the show. All right. We'll see you guys in a minute. See you guys later. Good luck, Chris. Are you recording, Tyler? No. No. What's weird, Tyler? (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) Go fuck yourself. Um, Like your your screen froze on my phone, and you were like smiling, and it looked like the thing off a smile. All right, guys, welcome back to Fright Fights. We are about ready to do a battle that we've been waiting such a long time to do. We're so excited. This is Ghost Stories. So we have three really good ones, three very different ones. And I think that the one that's going to win is going to be mine, which happens to be the HBO video edition release of The Changeling by Peter Medic. 1980 um this is your carbon copy of a meta ghost story um it does star george c scott 
as the the main character um really crazy car crash at the beginning of it i want to say but basically the guy loses his entire family in this car crash moves to seattle wants to be a composer starts composing music shit starts going down in this crazy you know this crazy ass house that he got for next to nothing obviously that's how it always starts um begins seeing apparitions and hearing you know things getting visions of this little boy named joseph it has a creepy ass wheelchair in it as well i mean there are some really really chilling scenes in this um, i think i remember um the one scene that really really gets me is whenever um the main character i forgot the guy's name but it's played by george c scott, george c scott rather and he's listening to a recording after the seance. You guys remember the scene? And yeah. you can hear Joseph kind of like talking. And nowadays, obviously, we have we have shows like Ghost Adventures, Ghost Hunters, all the stuff. So we hear, you know, things of the, you know, that's been recorded of ghosts all, all the time. But at the moment where this film come out, you have to understand that didn't necessarily exist too much. So hearing like, you know, ghost spirits and seeing apparitions and going crazy and having a creepy ass wheelchair in your house and then you know the little red ball that goes down the staircase that's that was pretty crazy for 1980 and it still holds up today as being you know one of the scarier haunted house films and uh, before i turn it over to you guys and see what you thought i do want to say you know this kind of goes back to where we talked about where the house becomes the main character of the film because the actual, I know this, the selection process to find this home in Canada was insane. Um, yeah. The house was actually built by a set designer. It was existing there. But I remember watching, there was a special feature on the Severn release of the Blu-ray for the Changeling. And they talk about the set design and how they selected this house and they were filming in Vancouver and they did so much. Um, the house is already creepy. They did so much additional work to it and the vibe it gives. You could just tell it feels truly haunted. Like they've, did, I don't know what they, I don't even know what like they did to dress up the set and what was already existing there because everything about it is just so perfect in terms of like the staircase, the attic, the use, everything about it. And it sounds like there's a ghost blender going in the back. Like what? <laughs> you making a snow cone or something? Like, what Chris, are you, you making snow cones? <laughs> Sorry, I was trying to find the DVD of the Changeling that I have to reference something, but I couldn't find it. Well, I'm pissed. I was wondering. Right, you got your meat grinder, so you ready? You got your lawnmower. <laughs> All right, Chris. Can well, you? <laughs> 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 you make it snow cones um so i'll make one little fucking noise and you got to get all my ass about it hey chris chris we, we don't need a cuss now now you now you that's two strikes okay. yeah <laughs> calm your ass down i mean i'm sorry i should have said that guys. you, you almost ruined the whole uh, night fuck. we'll just this segment never mind you're off that's it you, we're done all right thank you guys for listening this is it Oh, that was actually it. Everybody stopped talking after it's that. Oh, relax. relax. Fuck me. <laughs> All right, Chris. All right, so you made your snow cone. So, uh, did you guys notice? <laughs> Tell us about the movie now, Chris. 
Did you guys notice that um, there's like just the smallest details about the film was was made? So, for instance, there's a the scene where George C. Scott's character he finds the ball that his daughter used to play with, and he finds it and he like puts it in his piano so that he always has it. And then he realizes that the ghost that's living in the house starts to play with that same ball. And he's not certain yes. if it is a different ghost or his daughter's ghost. So he continues to try to play with it and then realizes that it's not his daughter. It's something else. Mm-hmm. So he goes to get rid of the ball and he throws it in like off the bridge into the river and then immediately mm-hmm. comes home. And the ball, as he's walking into the house from doing this, the ball is bouncing down the stairs. The ball is actually covered in water and like it's dripping wet and it gets to the bottom of the staircase. I don't know if you guys caught that part or not, but yeah, that was really cool. Yeah. There's really cool, fine details that they put into like the, in the making of that, just to have the ball being wet still was really cool. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think that there's something really interesting to me about, well, first of all, ghost stories. I love them. Um, I think we all are on the same page with that. We love ghost stories. But um, something that's really interesting about the film is that it kind of goes towards somebody's idea of grief. And like a parent mm-hmm. losing a child, like I love stories like that because it is so personal. And it's it's really upsetting to watch. So obviously horror already being like, you know, a genre that is supposed to scare when you add this kind of like intense grieving in the back, it also becomes a whole character of the story. So the fact that he continues playing with this ghost and wanting to reach out and talk to the ghost, that's just like showing his desperation, really wanting, you know, his family back and any kind of like interaction you can get ghost or not from a child. I feel like he would take. And that's kind of like what is at the center of the film that I find really interesting because you know strip away the horror and it's kind of a devastating and sad film like you're depressed like you want to go grab a bottle yeah. of this like it's kind of depressing but yeah, it's, it's a very sad is. movie it, it is it really yeah it, and, and for this movie to be i think such a great film um the horror of this this film is actually like psychological you know um it shows almost no gore and it still frightens you, and it still keeps you on the edge of your seat. Um, I'm a big believer in this movie. It's not a movie you need to watch with a big group. You need to watch this alone, like with the with the lights out, and just one on just you you and the you and the TV, because it's truly like a really sad, scary. The atmosphere, the anticipation, the build up in this movie is honestly phenomenal i i am a huge fan of this film i saw it a long time ago and i'm glad you someone picked this i'm glad you picked this tyler because it was it was good to good to see this again and um it it's sad on the on the on the part of him losing his his well he lost his whole family uh wasn't like it was a a car wreck right in the snow so like it's it's sad on that because like man that could happen to anyone and god forbid if it happened to you jesus christ but like how this is him picking up the steps to move forward without his family and he's still grieving you know and you can tell that that he is um and i always thought it was kind of like you know it was weird because what was it always around 6 a.m something happens it's like you know he experiences something um, and it's the, the, 
the ghost of like a child <clears throat> and i i could i felt really sorry for uh i think of the was it john russell act but the actors john c scott I, I mean i thought i felt really sorry but to have no gore at all um this was a very frightening movie you know even what chris mentioned throwing the ball in the in the river or in the lake or whatever you threw it over the bridge and then the ball bouncing down the stairs with water it was the small details of this movie that that made it so impactful you know oh yeah, so- yeah it was, there's also the really cool scene too there's the the lady i can't remember her relationship to it. she's like the friend that he meets up with to get the get to, that sold him the house or got him the house and she's investigating the house and she's like walking up the stairs and somehow she's drawn to the attic so she walks up there and the wheelchair turns and pretty much chases her throughout the entire house. It goes all the way down the stairs, like all four sections of the staircase <laughs> and all the way scene. to the bottom. It was a really cool scene. It yeah. Was, yeah. Oh, yeah. And the um, the idea of like Ed and Lorraine Warren um, style of, you know, demonology kind of thing went on. And they come in and do a seance and the seance was terrifying. And yeah. Uh, that was one of my favorite parts and obviously whenever he discovers things in the attic and then the wheelchair like chris was saying that wheelchair was one of my favorite scenes as well and you know the last 20 minutes in the house like catches on fire that's another oh yeah it just hits every like 10 minutes there's something insane happening here it, well another thing that's scary about this is it, it's it's the it's the music too like the the impact of the music the the loud chords of music that, you know, the soundtrack is very kind of frightening, you know, um, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's the small details of this film that make it so dramatic, you know, um, kind of like what I mentioned, I, I think it's a film that you watch by yourself or with a small, small group, not a lot of people. So you can really appreciate and feel that it's almost like a presence when you're watching it lights out, you get that goosebumps feeling, and um, I I'm a huge fan of this movie. Oh yeah, and the um, I think that the story was kind of semi autobiographical for the director because um, I'm trying to remember. Basically, I know he was a composer. The director was, and his story that he he wrote. Oh, he didn't write. He he directed, but he added that detail into the script of him being a composer because of that. And I think that maybe, just maybe, some of those sounds that you hear were kind of like written in by him to be like extra spooky because he knows composing very well. You know what I mean? And of course, have um, George C. Scott over here just killing it, like he's giving it his all, and he's definitely like. You know, he steals the entire show and his journey of just like loss and grieving the way it was acted. I mean, he's such an accomplished actor anyway, and his voice is like so prominent. It's just great. I mean, everything about it, the acting, the directing, the way that it was presented, the music, the script. Um, When they said, hey, we're giving you a ghost story, they meant, hey, we're giving you a ghost story. Like this is this yeah. is good. So, um, what did you guys think in terms of the um, your ratings, or did you guys have anything to add about that? Well, I mean, it was a very simple plot. 
um, very typical, you know, ghost haunts a house, tries to get, you know, the guy tries to figure out what's going on, uncovers the mysteries of it, and boom, the ghost goes on its little rampage or whatever. Um, and it was kind of slow, but every aspect of it was interesting. So you, you were never taken away from the movie by how slow it was, because from point A to point B, you're trying to figure out along the main character who or like who the ghost is, what caused the ghost to be there, and what the aftermath of what the ghost um, the haunting is going to occur. So even though that there's a little slow points in it, you're still trying to figure these things out along with the character, and it makes it a really interesting plot. Um, I really enjoyed this. this. Was the first time watch for me, and I'm really glad because if you, if you remember, Tyler, you were on the verge of picking something else. And I said, no, please pick this one because I haven't seen it yet. And so that was one thing that, that made you want to pick it. And I'm so glad you did because I really, really enjoyed this movie. And I'm, I wish I'd have watched it early on in my life because I, I think I missed out of seeing it whenever I was a kid. I think it would have been really more creepy at that point. Uh, but yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. And I gave this movie a 7 out of 10. Well, you also get the experience from like a different lens now as a parent. So I think that... It would have yeah. had some qualities as a kid if you watched it that would scare you. I think the ghost aspect would scare you more, but now you have the parent, like the parental aspect that you kind of see now. But yeah. yeah, yeah, no, um, I I rated this movie very high just for the whole. It, it's a movie that kept kept me scared without gore. You know, it wasn't like you know very visual on like getting chopped up or anything like that it was a great ghost ghost story um it, it was just the anticipation kept you like it kept you scared the music in it kept you scared um i gave this movie an eight out of ten nice <clears throat> listen i would kill to watch this movie again for the first time i'm kind of i'm jealous of chris um in that respect because it's just it was one of those experiences that i'll never forget the first time i seen the, the changeling um i mean nine out of ten easily for me and that's just because the ghost story aspect of this was so well done it hit mm -hmm. every single beat and i really do like the the idea of like loss like parent like parental losing a child and discovering things i i love that I, there's a movie called don't look now by um, nicholas rogue it's top tier it's amazing i love that film so much and this kind of like plays off the same not the same basic concept because it wasn't necessarily a ghost story but um it hits it really does well it's it's really weird though that you chose this one because whenever we made our decisions um Mike actually chose a different film. He chose a movie called Lake Mungo for his ghost film. Mm -hmm. And um, I think Mike started to watch it and he realized what the story was about. And he said, he, he messaged me. He said, he goes, Chris, I can't, I can't review this movie properly because of the aspect of what the story is about a parents losing their daughter. Mm -hmm. He's like, I can't go through that. He's like, I don't want to go through that right now. And, uh, and I said, that's okay. That's okay. Don't, I said, don't worry about it. Nobody else has watched it yet. Go ahead and pick another movie. And then you chose The Changeling and it had to do with the exact same thing. Yeah. Like I, 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 I remember watching this such a long time ago, but, and I kind of forgot. I, I, at first I didn't even think I watched it. And then I started watching this again and it's, I guess you have to go through something and you can experience it. I mean, thankfully, I have, I have my children, but like 
you know, going to the point of almost losing a child and then watching something like this, it, it's like, it's, I appreciated it. I could, I could understand it. Um, and I could see why the man like tr was trying to find closure. You know, he was searching for it. He was yearning for it. You know, he wanted, he wanted that closure. And, um, I guess watching this, this is, that's another point of this movie that I enjoyed watching it um, that made it even more, like, made such an impact on me. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, you can relate to it a lot more than what you could yep. the first time you watched it. Absolutely. And especially, like, he also, like, dealt with that, like, level of guilt. Like, he felt like it was his fault, which kind of, like, just is oh, so yeah. devastating when you see it in the story. So it really adds so many different layers to his character. Again, it's played beautifully by George C. Scott. Like I, I couldn't picture better casting for this. No, it's just it was well done, well done movie. Yeah. So Mike, you um chose like Mungo, like we talked about, and yes, change. What'd you change it to? Change it to the fog, the original. Yes. Um, with uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. And let me tell you why I love this movie is because they use a lot of characters that were in the Halloweens. You got, you know, Tom Atkins was in the third one. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis, of course. Um, I, um, what's her last name? Nancy something. Nancy is it Keys or Kai's? What? I can't think of her name, last name. But in the in uh, the fog, they used her as Nancy Loomis. So I, I loved how they related a lot of the, or they used some of the same character or the same in, actors into this movie as Halloween's. But the fog is like well, they, a, they, it's based on. They also named uh, a character too. The character that yeah. Tom Atkins plays, his his character name is Nick Castle. Yeah, Nick Castle, and then the Nancy lady. Her name was Nancy Loomis, Doctor Loomis. I love yeah. how they did that. Um, I mean, like so, hey, this film was basically the anti um, Halloween because of those character names. It was a Deborah Hill production. It was yeah. John Carpenter directing. He said he'd never do horror. Yeah. He, here he is doing horror again. Big surprise. Um, cinematography: Dean Cundey, Halloween. Um, we have Jamie Lee Curtis. We know we have. We, it, then we continue on. I was just, I was going on and on about. It. <laughs> so, what this movie is is based on? It's it's a, it's a small coastal town of um, Antonio Bay, and they're they're celebrating um, an anniversary of um, of being founded, the town being founded, and um, the residents of the town are not aware of the tragic events that happened in the past. Um, so what, what has happened, there was a, uh, mysterious ship that, that wreck that sank and, um, this, and, and it's reemerging coming back and they have no clue about the buildup or what, what, what hell is about to come. And what I love about the fog is number one, the music is, is absolutely on point. It gives you that eighties you know that 80s horror theme music love it um i love the cast i love tom atkins but <clears throat> throughout the movie it, it's it is a little slow paced 
and you have to be patient watching this. But once you watch it, you, you I feel like you appreciate it. The the fog, yeah. how it just slowly. Oh, go ahead. This is the same thing that happened with the changeling. Is that it's a really slow paced film, really slow yeah. story, but everything in it is really interesting. Like the entire time that that these people are trying to go from one place in town to the other place in town because the fog is getting closer. It's really slow, but you're really intrigued by it as well. Like you're, you're looking to see like, yeah. when is the fog going to hit? What's going to come out of the fog? Who's going to die? Like it was a really interesting way that they did it or that John Carpenter did it to make you invested into a very slow story. And, and, and about this movie, it's like a meteorology or ologist. Um, they're, and a a radio personnel they're they're kind of like you know going back and forth with co communicating on like hey the fog's emerging it's coming in and the and i forgot the uh, actress that played the lady in the radio tower but she's you know presenting the 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 radio the news over the radio hey there's a fog coming in and then they the meteor meteorologist he finds this this big boat or ship out in the middle of the ocean and it's like they don't know what it is but it's it's more of a sinister ghost ship that's coming through the town like the fog is i'm assuming what i took on this movie is the presence of these dead of the dead um and it's almost kind of like a zombie uh appearance with these monsters um i feel like it was just visually done well for especially being in the 80s the the creepiness was was i thought to me was very phenomenal um another a, a big standout point was the the little boy the grandma in the house the fogs emerging you know uh tom atkins has driving around and he rushes into the house to get to save the little boy and it's just I, I was kind of like on the edge of my seat, even like I already knew what happened. I've seen this movie before, saw the remake, hated the remake, but this is just watching that again. I was like, God, this, 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 this is done well. It's shot well. The music play up to the house fire or the house fire, um, the fog emerging into the house. It was done well. Um, there's there's the nothing thing, there's I can a, really. There's, there's a really dated sequence of. I don't know if it's it's not CG obviously it was in the 80s but the fog itself when it shows like a distance of it rolling from the ocean onto the shoreline um, it's like over the side of a hill is what you see it from but it's a very weird look you can tell that it's not like a real footage of fog coming in it's almost like an 80s computer do you guys know what I'm talking about yeah. when you see like the distance yeah I like, know when you're yeah I think these yeah that dated really badly, but I thought Tom Atkins was a a really good leader of, of this movie. I thought he made an impact. I thought the zombie creatures their their movement was very slow, but it was a good presence. Like I thought, you know, if you're patient enough in the beginning, let it build. Watch the characters. Um, it it was it was it was fun. It was a fun movie, and uh, I I am a big sucker for John Carpenter in general. I'm more than likely not going to rank any of his movies completely terrible. Um, and it was good to circle back around and watch this classic because I was a huge fan.
I mean, I don't know what your all's input is on this. Well, my input is he makes a film, Halloween, masterpiece. Mike loves it. I love it. Chris? Oh, yeah. He makes another masterpiece, The Thing. These are separated by four years. And everybody, let's talk about John Carpenter. Okay, let's talk about The Thing. Let's talk about Halloween. Two films. This film comes sandwiched between the two. Um, from what I understand, people did not like it when it came out. It definitely was not something that John Carpenter planned to make. Um, there were multiple factors, I think, that came into the fact that the film ever even exists. And it definitely wasn't the same vibe that they wanted to have from what they initially greenlit, from what I understand as well. Because I've been, I actually watched the Screen Factory bonus features because I have the disc. And I love the film. I always have. And just learning more about it is so interesting to see how much it was panned when it came out. Um, So I have a love-hate relationship with the film. I loved it initially. Then I ended up not liking it so much. Then I regarded it to be like one of my top-ranked, you know, horror films. I think it was so underappreciated. And it really was well done. And I mean, it was well directed. Just like you said, Mike, it had everything going for it, really. Bigger budget yeah. than Halloween as well. Just everything. Um, then I watched it again for the show. <sighs> it's not as good as I remembered it being, but it's still much better than what a lot of people think of it. It's still like a very well put together film. And just like Chris said, there are moments that are dated. Um, Specifically, some of the visuals. Um, The script kind of does get a little hazy as well. So I'm right there in the middle. And that's, I was kind of like, I'm like going to just talk it out with you guys right now because I really don't know where it lands on his filmography because he's had so much come out that's fantastic. So we have this film and it's just kind of a problem in my eyes because I'm like, I don't know where I put it. I love it, but is it like one of those like cherished films of the 80s that we should just cling to? You know what I mean? And yes, for the record, the 2005 The Fog sucks. Awful. Absolutely awful. Mm-hmm. See, I I, uh, I remember being really bored with this when I watched it as a kid and then watching it as an adult. I got more enjoyment out of it this time around than I did previously. And yeah, even though that some of the effects are dated, um, the close-ups of the fog is actually really well done. I thought that, you know, they use fog machines or dry ice or whichever two, maybe both. And those were really well done. When they needed somebody to step out of the fog with the lighting and everything, it looked really good. The killers, the the ghost pirates or whatever they were, thought they, you know, they looked okay. They They're not the best villains ever because they don't really have much personality to them uh they're just kind of there and they're like zombie-ish but they were okay they were interesting looking and there's one really funny moment that i i laughed i I got laughed at this for some reason i don't know why but the at the opening the three people on the boat they're all drinking and one guy goes hey there's a fog bank out there and some of the other guy goes there's no fog bank out there and then he immediately looks up at the window and goes, hey, 
there's a fog bank out there. And I, was like, yeah, I don't know why, but it just, I really got a laugh out of that. It was really funny. It's kind of goofy. Like this, that's something yeah. about it. Like it's like the dialogue. You guys think that too? Like, you know, like the dialogue kind of is like this wacky kind of goofy it is. vibe. And then like, it's kind of like toned down by this beautifully shot. I mean, I would say it's kind of beautifully shot in a way. Yeah. And there was something really yeah. soothing about the radio sequences with Adrienne Barbeau when she's on the radio, like when she's live on air and she's talking to the town, um, just giving them the weather updates. And I don't know if it's just the way she's doing it with her voice and everything, but there's something really soothing that she had. It just felt very comfortable and very nostalgic. And it just gave you a, 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 like a, a feeling of comfortability watching that and then have everything bad happening around those scenes was just really really cool really really cool to revisit and atmospheric too like just he yeah atmosphere with this yeah i actually i I give this go ahead go ahead mike no i i was just i was just gonna say it it did give off that kind of uh aspects of comedy in it um or goofiness in it which i enjoyed um but overall with the fog i i'm up there i gave this i gave the fog a seven seven out of ten wow i i thought mike you can give that a lot higher because there's so many like people from the halloween franchise in it no i just the only the only reason i didn't I, i respected all the actors and actresses that were in the comparison but I just feel like this was kind of rushed after Halloween, the thing. It was just kind of, or after Halloween, it was just kind of pushed through, which I still thought was a really well-made movie, and I really enjoyed it. Loved the music. But I, I did. I gave it a seven. If we were given halves, I'd give it a seven and a half, but I'd give it a seven. Because I uh, I rated this higher than you then, Mike. I give this an eight. I this nice. town, Like I said, I, I enjoyed it more this time than I did last, so I, I thought this was – much better viewing, um, more atmospheric, as Tyler was saying, and just an overall better experience watching it as an adult than I got when I watched it. All right, it as all a right kid. Lax, you, you just you just talked me into it. I give us a ten. All right, let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> I give it a seven. Uh, yeah. You know, it ages like fine wine. Um, <laughs> it really does, because like the very first time I watched this, I would probably be on the lines giving it a six. I watched it again. I'd probably give it a nine. I watched it again. Didn't really like it as much. Probably give like a six again. Now, as I watch it, um, I have a respect for it. Love the atmosphere. Love the director. Loved, you know, the way it was shot. I think it was very goofy. I do think it's very flawed, but the flaws kind of make it better. Great. yeah, yeah. And it makes it like this. I don't know that it gives you like more to come back to because it's just so, you know, it's kind of goofy. Um, and with that being said, for all the right reasons, I would give this at least, and I, I mean, I'm pushing eight, but I am going to give it a seven because I do understand there are those flaws that, that come with it. That it's, it's you know, the script is just not there. Aside from the script yeah. not being there, it's great. I mean, it's even, yeah. It, fun you know it's kind of hard to say like exactly why i think the only reason i give it a seven other than like an eight or even a nine is is kind of the slower paced build up um and it was it was really slow to kind of build build the build the storyline 
which for me, that was a little takeoff for me, but it picked it back up. And, and I'm, I'm glad we got to, I, I'm glad I chose this because I really enjoyed it, but that, that's the only reason I gave it a seven. It's nice to highlight it because um, John Carpenter films, the fog kind of gets lost and his other films overshadow it. it. Does. But really, this is something that people should be watching and talking about more because it is I agree. a solid horror film and it has a lot of really good things going for it. And keep in mind, remember, this is after Halloween and before The Thing. And the reason I say that and that's, I keep stressing that is because think of like the style of the thing being a masterpiece and think of like Halloween being like its own masterpiece for completely different reasons. And this is kind of like a perfect sandwich of the two. I don't know. That's how I see it. So. So seven. What were, you're giving a seven, Mike? Yep, seven. And then you're giving it an eight, Chris? Yep. 22. 22 out of 30. Let's see how this one goes, Chris. What'd you watch? What what, what did we watch? What's your pick? Okay, so first I need to apologize because <laughs> the the theme is ghosts. And I'm not sure if this technically qualifies as a ghost movie. I, I think it does, but it's more of like a demon movie than anything. But still, it's it's the first movie that we watched, the original. So I watched, uh, we watched uh, Sometimes They Come Back Again the sequel to the Stephen King film, Sometimes They Come Back, which was a 100% ghost movie. So why would the sequel be not a ghost movie, right? That's where um, I had seen it before, but I, I didn't remember any aspect of it whatsoever. But it, 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 the story is about the dad from Family Ties, uh, Michael Gross, who his mother passes away at the beginning of the movie, and he travels to her house to kind of clean everything up and to, to go through with the funeral arrangements and all this stuff. And while he's there, uh, his daughter that is with him at the time um, finds this guy in town. Cannot remember his name whatsoever, but he's kind of like this 50s looking uh, like gang guy. I can't, I can't explain what, but he's like the the bad guy from the 50s, you know, with like the leather jacket and the white t-shirt and the, Tony Reno. You know, the Jeep. Yeah. Um, you know, he's got like the little knife that he pulls out all the time, like you know, straight out of the 50s, right? And uh, she meets him at the diner, and he turns out to be a, a, a ghost or a demon of some sort that is from her dad's past. And you, throughout flashbacks, you get to learn that when he was a kid, when, when the girl's dad was a kid, Michael Gross, when he was a kid, he his sister was murdered by a group of gang members and he was the one that was trying to stop them from doing so. And in the mean, uh, by doing so he kills all the gang members and a, he gets them all electrocuted. And so now all this time has passed. It's an anniversary of that time period, or there's like some type of blood ritual that the demon comes back to perform in order to take revenge on being murdered. It's a really weird, convoluted story. Um, but <laughs> it, I, it is. It really is. There's yeah. like 14 different things that the demon has to go through in order to come back to mm. just to take revenge. It's not like he wants to stay. It's like he can come back and stay on Earth forever. He's just all he wants to do is take revenge. But he has to wait for a certain day with a certain moon 
and he has to have certain blood from certain people. It it, it was really, like I said, it was really convoluted. But uh, Michael Gross is going back and forth between flashbacks, telling us this story. Then he has to figure out that this guy that is trying to date his daughter is this person from the original incident. And he's bringing slowly, he's slowly bringing back one by one the ghost from the original incident as well. And they're going to re reenact the scene with his daughter now that they did with his sister when he was a kid. And he's trying to stop this from happening. And Mike, I know there's a, there's a character in this movie that um, kind of reminds me of you a little bit. Uh, he's a little <laughs> slow. Uh, wow. <laughs> I don't know why I was like surely Chris isn't going to say there's a character in the movie that reminds him of Mike and then I was like (laughs) every time he said a word I was like he is (laughs) oh my gosh (laughs) I'm sorry Mike So I can't trust who your friends are let's just be honest this is sad (laughs) (laughs) so yeah there's a character in in this movie that he Yes, he's a little slow. The character's a little slow, and he's made to be like that because they want you to feel a little sympathy for him, I'm assuming. But he he finds out that the ghost is real, and he tries to tell the girl that the ghosts are real and that he shouldn't uh, that they shouldn't be hanging out together. And his acting is some of the worst acting that we've watched that we've witnessed on this show, I think. Um, Mike, what do you say to this? <laughs> I mean, I I think this whole show that I'm on is a piece of shit, and I don't like it. <laughs> your acting in this movie, Mike, was awful. Um, well, actually, this movie should should have been titled "Sometimes They Should Never Come Back" because this movie was awful. But go with <laughs> yes, dude, yes, yes, <laughs> yeah, it's. Okay, so I did enjoy the movie. I thought yeah. it was oh, fun yeah, in certain aspects. Oh. No, no, no. <laughs> no. It's not not necessarily a good movie, but it's good in a bad way. Like all the stuff that's bad about yeah. it, I found myself laughing and enjoying that part. And in particular, the part with the, the slow character. Um, he is riding a lawnmower. And he's like okay so he's singing the the speed racer song and yes like i said it's horrible <laughs> acting but he's he's singing the go go speed racer song like the theme song as he's riding a lawnmower um but the demon comes out and he grabs the guy digs a hole or something and like buries him like his head sticking out of the ground and he, he like, runs doesn't he, like make it like oh you city. want to try it out you could just try you could just like i'm gonna bury you and we'll have fun right is that what it was he was like let's let's just let's mess around let's have let's have a good time like you would just trust somebody yeah it was really weird uh but anyway it's it's one of the first deaths that we see as far as a, somebody getting run over by a lawnmower and then when when you think that the you know the cool death scene happens, then the demon comes back again and he grabs like I guess it's like a bunch of different body parts he gets cut up in the lawnmower. He grabs the guy's hand, picks it up, looks toward the camera, and says, "Hey, need a hand?" Like just a really like it really silly and really stupid. But I laughed, and I mean that's what it, it entertained me. So I mean I can't say it was awful to sit through like i was enjoyed throughout it so listen guys yeah, this is this is equivalent to like silent night deadly night part like 
Part two, yeah, with like yeah, the whole kind of part two, day. but also that's kind of giving a little too much slack. I think that's. I think that. I think it's a little better. Okay, there is such thing as whenever you hear Stephen King, and then you hear made for TV or home video, you know you're going to be either a intrigued and it's going to be decent, or b it's going to be absolute bat shit insane, guys. There is a scene with tarot cards, and this girl is like, "Yeah, do you guys know what I'm talking about?" So he takes yes, the, the demon appears. He's like threatening this girl. Is like, "Oh, should you, you want to use these tarot tarot cards?" And he takes them and like makes them like flip around with his mind, and he goes, <laughs> and just like starts like she's like. Ah! And then one by one, these tarot cards start inserting themselves into her body, like by like cutting her. I don't know how the cards got so sharp. They just so easily went in <laughs> and then just to shut her up at the end. He went whoosh, 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 boom, like that. And then throws it into her mouth. So she would just shut up. And then. Proceed- Those were the biggest tarot cards in the world, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Like literally these tarot cards are the size of a book. And. Can you say that we hated the film for that? I honestly laughed my ass off. We can't say that that was like a bad part because it was absolutely so, it was so batshit insane. I have never seen anything like this, nor will I probably ever see anything like this in my entire life. And um, that's pretty much, you know, that's sometimes they come back in a nutshell. Sometimes yeah. they come back again. There was a see. funny moment I laughed at. Um, there's a scene where Michael Gross's character is sitting in a car and he's like at a red light and he starts daydreaming about an incident before. And when he finally like snaps out of it, there's a car behind him that's honking the horn and the guy pulls up next to him at the red light. And it's like this redneck guy. And he like leans his head out the passenger window from the driver's side. He's like, Hey buddy, you gotta get out of here. Move on. It was like the oh, it was awful. Like I laughed so bad. Like it was so bad. I laughed at it. Um, but there are so many little moments like that that are just like they just come out of nowhere. Oh yeah, this, the entire movie. This movie was was absolutely terrible. Um, I enjoyed the first one actually. The, the sometimes they come back. I actually enjoyed the film. Um, I don't. Did we watch it on here and rated it, or was it just? Maybe yeah. you and I picked yeah. out Chris and we, okay, yeah. And I, I enjoyed it, but this really should have been titled Sometimes They Should Never Come Back because the main, the main, I mean, the acting was just awful. Right. The acting was terrible. There, there was nothing good about the acting. It, the comedy, yeah, there was some funny stuff. I can't say there wasn't. The, hey, do you need a hand was funny. The kills were almost like, so terrible i laughed through them um the plot of the story i lost interest i mean it it just seemed like they were trying too hard and they came out to make it was just like completely complicated um and it 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 just didn't make sense um the main yeah they had about the main i just i just thought they they tried way too hard and the main actor uh, that played Vinny, um, God, I fucking can't stand that guy. I think it's his face. I don't know what it is. It, look, the way he talks or whatever yes. it is, 
God, yes. the way he the way his mouth moves, I want to punch him. <laughs> he's about to punch like, him, right? Yeah. Yes, I, yeah, I so can't he, stand the way he looks. I wonder if that was he, he doesn't he doesn't have a style. He only looks like he belongs in the fifties. He doesn't have the oh. voice that fits the nineteen fifties. No. So he's trying to give him that voice, and it doesn't work at all. He doesn't. It's feel like, he, like he when he's talking, character. it almost reminds me of like Jim Carrey. He's trying to be like Jim Carrey when he moves his mouth, but he's not. And it's just his overall presence. He's not scary. Nothing about him would frighten me. I hate his voice. I hate the way he moves. His mannerisms. He was a big letdown in the movie. Um, Mike, you actually said it best. He feels like a Jim Carrey impersonator. Yes. Trying to be funny, but at the end of the day, he's just taken completely seriously. And they're like, hey, Jim Carrey impersonator, we really need you to be completely straightforward and serious in this film. Don't be funny. And he's like, but Ace Ventura kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, hey, hey, like, I really want to kill you. How about a hand? Like, dude, shut up. Um, the the only highlight of this movie, and I mean the only highlight, you had a legend from Sandlot, Patrick Rena, as the little boy, the the curly hair. That was the only highlight of this movie, and he must have been hard up for money to do this. I don't know why you <laughs> would want to do this. Um, I'm assuming was the Sandlot after this. I'm praying to God. Uh, when was this? 96? So when was the Sandlot? No, it doesn't matter. That was the only highlight of this movie. Dude, you're talking about the Sandlot, but look at Hillary. Look at Hillary Swank. Like she, Hillary Swank. Yeah, yeah. Believe. Like she and, was, and Michael Gross. Well, Michael Gross. Sure. Yeah, but, Michael okay. Gross. Yeah. And it's so weird but, that they're part of this film. Um, because it was I mean, actually a like, shit show. It's it? just so you, bad. It, it's just God bless. This is this shouldn't have been done. This should have been a one and done movie. And that was it because the first one was was a was average. It was good. It was a good flick, but this one, it, terrible. You know, something that really really bothered me. It this really bothered me about the movie is at the end of it when they go to recreate the sequence from the um, from his childhood, and they're all gathered. They have his daughter tied up, and they're all gathered around this big puddle of water. And it's like the exact same thing that happened from the original, you know, the original mm-hmm. incident. And they're interrupted by Michael Gross's character. And when they see him, he's trying to like hit a electrical outlet or a unit or something to break break it open and break it off. And they see him doing this. And they're like, oh, hey, he's he's grabbing this big electrical wire wire. I got an idea. Let's all three step in this big giant puddle of water and wait for him to do this. Like it made no sense why they even step there to begin with. Like, wouldn't you get away from that to prevent the same thing to happen over again? It just went with the movie and none of it made sense. It was just dumb. (laughs) I'm sorry. It was, it was bad. Um, Yeah, it it, it was. It did resemble a lot of sometimes they come (laughs) back. Yeah. No, Chris. Um, it felt like the there's a lot of parts in there that kind of like imitated the first, which the first was far from a perfect film, and then this one took aspects of the first and made it even worse on top of that. And what I was saying before was, how can Stephen King not be okay with the Shining adaptation without saying something negative about them trying to make a Sometimes They Come Back sequel? Um, that's absolutely this bad, and he's okay with that somehow. It's just kind of bizarre to me. But um, 
we can't leave out we can't leave out the one good thing about this movie there is a scene where one of the girl's best friends goes on a date and she's in this car and they're you know they're making out and it's one of the revived uh demons right like he comes back one of the people that he brings back and they're sitting in the car and the girl is like you know all interested into it and everything like that she's like hey there's something I want to show you. And she starts to like undo her shirt and <laughs> he turns around. He's like, okay, you close your eyes now. There's something I want to show you. And then he does the whole like turning to the demon thing, similar to what they did in the first, sometimes they come back with the, in the car sequence when he, they, they, they turn into the ghost for the first time. I thought that was actually a really fun scene. It was, it, it was cool. It, it was effective. And I liked that. And that was the only re, like redeeming quality about this movie was that particular scene. Not the tarot cards? It was fun, <laughs> but it was dumb. Yeah, that's... Oh, yeah. 100%. It was bad. So what are you going to give it, Chris? Uh, so <laughs> I remembered watching the movie when I was a kid, and I the tarot card scene stuck with me. That was the only thing I remember besides Michael Gross being in the film. And I remember liking it as a kid, but I think it was just because of the cheesy, silly death scenes that they had with the lawnmower, the tarot cards, the, you know, the, the car sequence. Uh, this time around, it was not a very good movie. I gave this movie a four out of 10. Man, I, I haven't rated a movie this low in a long time. Um, I I want to give it a two, but I'm gonna give it a three. It's a, it's a three out of ten. All right, thank okay. you guys for listening. <laughs> Tyler, Tyler, <laughs> listen, listen. We watched movies like remember the movie we watched called Beware the Woods for yeah. like the worst of 2022, and uh, you're you're gonna give this movie the same quality as what that film is. No, I mean, I came into this thinking too, but I gave that a one. But I'm thinking about what was that one terrible movie that you guys loved? <laughs> what was it? You know, I gave I gave it a two, but you guys were like seven, six. You know what I'm talking about? It was the STD movie. Uh, we... Was it? It follows. No, it had a rape scene at the very beginning of it, and it had like the they were like, Oh, you know what I'm talking about, Chris. Night of Something Strange. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I really love that movie. That movie was great. Yeah. I gave that a two, I did, I did and you're like, There's much, much worse movies out there. And I said, That's why I gave it a two. And then I watched Beware of the Woods, which is actually <laughs> probably the worst film ever made, and that's where the one comes in. <laughs> that has to be right there with it, especially the hot dogs. Don't understand it at all. Then we have this film. <sighs> Can we give it credit because it is a Stephen King, very, 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 very loose adaptation? It's not even a Stephen King movie. I don't even, see. Should I give it a two, or should I give it a three? That's my dilemma. I've seen, I have seen worse, but hell, I've seen a lot better. Chris gave it a four. So my thinking is, 
I can't be too close to Chris. I have to be controversial. So I'm going to have to give it a two then. It's bad. Fuck, I'm giving it a three for the tarot card scene. That's it. It gets a two plus <laughs> one for the tarot card. There we card. go. <laughs> so three, three, there we go. four. I still lose, but I'm fucking glad you gave it a three. <laughs> <laughs> so got a ten out of there. It, it pains me. It pains me to give it a three. What did I give the I'm first? Glad one? I hit double digits. Yeah, I mean that, that's. I think you. I think you gave the first one like a four or five or something like that. If I gave the first one a four, this one has to have no more than. I mean, it, it's like a. It's a negative ten. I don't know. It's. I'm gonna give it a three. Okay. To keep you just, Chris, you just wait. Double... I'm gonna start choosing awful movies from now on. To keep Chris in the double digits, I'll go three. And Chris, the thing is, is like, I do look forward to the bad movies that you choose. <laughs> I, I, I do. I do. I really do. Like, I'm going to rate them bad because of all the right reasons. And you guys know me anyway. So, like, I have a very particular, I don't have a particular taste in horror movies. I can get down with, like, splatter films and, like, goofy films. I, I'm okay with that. But it's it walks a very thin line. And did I enjoy this film? No. Did I like certain aspects of this film and think it was interesting at the end of the day enough to like say, hey, you know, I laughed once or twice. Not really, but I mean, I did, you know, I, I found it. I looked hard and I found it. But, you know, it is all this okay. doesn't matter because I won. At the end of the day, I'm just going to keep going on because I just won this battle. That's all I wanted to say. I have one question for Mike. Mike, what was it like to have your head cut off by a lawnmower? Wow. Wow. <laughs> you know, this is sad, though. If I'm this retarded, how am I beating you in sales every month? Oh! <laughs> what does that make you? <laughs> Thank you, Mike. Now i got to edit this part out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Shoot. That was bad. All right, so Tyler wins. He is the winner of the ghost battle on Fright Fights. And now it is time for us to fix the wheel, spin again, and figure out what is going to be our next category for the show. So we're going to take a break. We're going to get everything set up for the wheel, and we'll be right back after these words. All right, guys, we are back from our break and we are ready to start the wheel so we can choose our next episode for Fry Fights. And right now we have Tyler's choice was replaced because he won the battle. He replaced the ghost films with A24 Horror. And aside from that, we also added a few extra things on the wheel that we could possibly land on. That way we could have a little bit of extra shows going on for you guys. So right now on the wheel for us to win, we have the ability to get tier ranking, which is where we could have a franchise or something. We have to go through and rank everything from that particular film, franchise, or topic. Uh, we have interviews. We can get an interview with a you know cast member from a horror film or director of somebody, anything related to the horror genre. Uh, a commentary on a horror film. Um, then we have his topic, A24. We have... Uh, shark attack films werewolves dark comedy horror films from the year you were born clown town possession films 
found footage films and 80s slasher films. Those are all the choices that we have to land on for our next episode. And Tyler, if you want to spin the wheel, let's figure out what we're going to do. All right, here we go. Dark horror comedy. Okay. Dark horror comedy. Or dark comedy horror, whatever. Wait, I have two I want to choose already. This will be interesting because there's so many choices we could we could take away from this one. Oh yeah, yeah. totally. But um we appreciate everybody for listening. Um some really cool stuff lined up down the down the line for us. And if you're if you're local to where we live, we may have some really cool stuff coming up as well. So be on the lookout on our Facebook and social medias for that. And definitely leave us a review, rate, subscribe on our YouTube channel, all that good stuff. Guys. Yep. And if you, sorry, if you are also on Facebook, um, please follow us on, on there as well. Like and follow our page. It is at Fright Fights or Facebook.com slash Fright Fights Pod. So we're nearing 500 followers on there. We'd really like to hit that limit uh, here soon. So please, guys, like and share that page uh, so that way we can uh, get get some uh, likes on there. Sweet. It's been a great time. Um, appreciate you guys listening. As always, guys, it's been great. And we will see you on the flip side.